Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name is Megan Cave. Uh, some of you may know we run a blog space here at PBIS Apps called Teach by Design, where we take some research that we found and we um, apply it to some tangible strategies that teachers and schools and districts and teams can use so that they are spending more time teaching and less time trying to manage and handle student behavior. The thing about those articles that we've learned along the way is that there's often like one or two places where we would like to spend a little more time talking about how that all really works in reality. And there just isn't, it just isn't the right format in the article itself. So this year, what we decided to do was to take some of those parts of that article and extend it to this format where we can have a, a conversation with some people that are doing the work and see what's working well, what's not working so great, and some lessons learned that maybe you all can apply to your classroom settings to improve upon the practices that you're already doing. So today, we're gonna um, take a look um, a little bit more at a part of our August article about returning to school um, that relates to those good classroom practices that you all are already doing, but maybe now you're finding yourself in a place where you're having to manage your classroom in a different place, namely in a virtual one. So we invited our, um, to a couple of members of our training team, Jessica Daly and Alan Cook, um, to talk to us about their experiences um, from the spring where they found themselves in a position where they had to move their in-person trainings into virtual spaces. So thanks for being with me, guys. Thanks for inviting <laughs> us. This is super fun. Yeah. So maybe you all can just start out by um, telling us about your process in, from March or April um, when you realized that your in-person trainings just weren't going to be able to happen the way that you wanted them to and, you know, you, your process of moving into those virtual spots. Sure. Well, I'll start, Alan, then you can jump in. So we um, primarily, we offer webinars. And so that, um, that process of, of offering, um, you know, content in a, in a virtual format wasn't particularly new for us. What was sure. new for us is that we are um, moving our certification trainings completely online. So we were often um, offering them in a face-to-face -face format where people would travel and come to either University of Oregon and, or, or other sites around the, around the country, around the world, and they would be doing their face-to-face um, -face trainings for, you know, one and a half days up to two and a half days. And so we had to transition very quickly to those being completely online um, and in an online format so that we're delivering that same content, but to people that were still wanting the information, they just obviously couldn't be traveling and couldn't be accessing it in, uh, um, in that face-to-face -face format. Right, I, I, and I can remember we were actually in a training. We were actually uh, presenting a training when they shut everything mm -hmm. down. Whoa. All of those things happened. Um, and so I can remember having the conversation with Jessica as, as, as everything was happening of what do we do? You know, what are we going to do now? And we've been talking <laughs> about moving some things online, um, just sort of brainstorming, but nothing solid. And now all of a sudden we were sort of pushed off the jump, uh, you know, pushed off of the the diving board we had to jump in the the deep end <laughs> and um before you knew it we were we, we were 
forced to, to put something together that would actually work for us. And I think that's one of the, uh, one of the big benefits of working with such an incredible training team is that we were able to shift gears and everybody was able to pull together and, uh, and take all of the information that we have and convert it to an online format that would work. That must have been really an overwhelming moment. Like, oh, we got to stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, we had already done a little bit in online. So we literally had, I mean, everybody's saying the word pivot right now, but we literally had to pivot in the moment like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you guys are leaving to go take care of your schools that are shutting down in this moment <laughs> while we're finishing up a training and yeah. we'll have some modules for you to complete and we'll figure what that out, what that looks like. And so we, you know, we definitely had to adapt on the fly. I think that's um, a testament to, I guess, our team also is that we are pretty adaptable and flexible on the fly and, you know, yeah. trust our problem solving. And um, and also we want to make sure that our people are supported. And so that kept us going is making sure that um, that our users had what they needed or those participants had what they needed. And that's what was really important to us. Yeah, it's some, it's sort of a theme that I've been really seeing across the country is just how unsure everybody is about all the different strategies that they're having to use and um, I think I think that something that would be that's really useful is being willing to just try something mm -hmm. you know um, so as you were as you so you said you had developed these modules mm -hmm. and so then you, now you find yourself in a place where you're conducting these virtual training mm -hmm. events so what was that like what was the most challenging part of that for you all? Gosh, well, there's a couple challenging pieces. I would say that um, um, for sure, maintaining the sense of connection with our participants. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things that we con consistently get feedback on, regardless of whether it's us or our, or, or our other trainers in the country, is that people really like that sense of connection or they feel like they've built a relationship um, with those trainers. And so in the virtual format, it's kind of hard. We, we always had two and a half days to build those relationships and now you're trying to condense that and do that in an online format where you can still be conversational or feel like they're getting their individual needs met. Um, so I think that that was one of the biggest challenges is how do we maintain that sense of connection um, in this adapted format so people feel like they're important and they're valued. I, I, I agree. I think it was, uh, it was very challenging moving to a completely online format just for for something as simple as troubleshooting. Um, so oftentimes when we are in a face-to-face -face training and somebody says, wait a minute, my screen doesn't look like your screen right now. Um, if you're you're in a virtual setting, there's there's really very little that you can do besides backtrack and 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 take up some time. Whereas opposed to if you're in a if you're in a face-to-face -face setting you can go and you can look over their shoulder and say oh i can see here's this is you have this mm -hmm. box unchecked or we need to do this and so when we have technology uh, technological issues that's something um that's really challenging and also it, keeping the conversations focused and moving forward is is very uh very difficult to do in a virtual setting it's much more easy when you're in person i think and you're you're used to that in-person presentation or in-person training in-person teaching um you you kind of pick up a flow you have this teacher sense 
of where the conversation is going, where it needs to go, what's coming next, how to tie that in. But for some reason, when you get into a virtual a virtual setting, all of that tends to go away. And then you've got, you know, you're looking at 25 little boxes on the screen. Some of them have their camera on, some of them don't. There's, there's, a, there's a completely different chat going on in the chat room than <laughs> what you're trying to teach. Two other people are trying to talk and, and mute their microphones. It's just a lot to have to deal with, just adapting to the technology. Mm -hmm. It's, Did you ever feel uh, like you really like you were able to do that? And I, to overcome that challenge? Did that ever did you ever feel like you walked away from that session being like, that was great, I did it, you know? I think what's helped is um well, the couple of things that were helpful for us is one, we actually have, you know, multiple monitors. So we have the benefit of having some additional technology pieces that help support us. You know, if somebody was on just a tablet or just a small laptop screen, that's gonna obviously make it harder for them. So we have some of that benefit of having some additional technology resources available to us that we utilize to have the multiple screens. One of the things that's helpful to us that may not be applicable or um, possible in a traditional school setting is we have co-trainers. And so when I was presenting content and material, Alan was managing the technology challenges and the chat box and responding to people's individual needs while I could still keep the flow of the content going. So it didn't um, delay or, um, you know, Keep, a, keep us from kind of moving forward with things. So that is a huge benefit that we have in our particular context that may or may not be applicable in a regular school context. Yeah. Was there anything that you've found that worked a lot better in a virtual space that you were kind of surprised about? <laughs> um, that's a that's a tricky one. That's that we, a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thinking about that, we uh, there's in in the process of moving things to a more virtual environment, it really made us concentrate on our material that we are presenting, mm -hmm. and um, and forced us to condense it down to 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 the most salient points. So we, we took something, we took a large two and a half day training and had to look at what are some ex, what's some extra information or some repeated information that we've repeated for, for, for repetition purposes, for learning purposes. Uh, what are some extra activities? What are some things that we can trim off of this massive two and a half day training to get it down to just a couple of Zoom sessions, really? And so it, it, it made us more conscious about the messages that we wanted to get through. While we, we still feel like the, the full two and a half day in-person session is incredible, we had to, had to really think about what are those main points that we want to deliver in a virtual session that um, we might not be able to otherwise. Yeah, I'm also thinking too, um, I know that you all provide some learning modules for, mm -hmm. for folks. So there's some asynchronous um, sessions that are, that are happening for your training, which I think is, is a lot of what's going on in schools too. I know for my kids, they, they had Zoom sessions with their teachers, but then they also had work that they were doing on an app that yeah. they had to complete every day. And so I wonder too, if it made you kind of consider what are the things that I really wanna be in charge of like giving people language to and like being there and available for them to 
ask me questions mm -hmm. and deliver that in person versus what are the things that really are just pretty straightforward and are just steps that they need to learn in the process. Yeah. I would say we found that um, more of the concrete things um, or the things that have less nuance to them are really good and s are served really well in those um, independent learning modules, right? There's mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be a lot of questions about it. It's pretty straightforward. The things that have more nuance or need a little bit more kind of facilitated discussion are better served in those online um, uh, synchronous sessions where it was more of a, you know, instructor-led, I guess, um, delivery. I also think what was helpful, now that I'm thinking a little bit more about what's working better in the virtual session, is as we're doing those nuances, those conversations of those facilitated discussions, if we realize that somebody needs extra practice, I can throw an extra activity into mm. those um, the independent lessons. And I can say, hey, I'm going to actually record this quick little video as another reminder of what we just talked about. So that that way they can review that information independently if needed, because I can see in that moment, like you're just kind of not getting this or you might need extra practice. I'm going to throw an extra little activity or an extra little tutorial that will help solidify this for you. So I think it gave us a little bit more adaptability in that way to add um, or take away lessons depending on um, the learner's needs. So, you know, yeah, it's, it sounds, it's a little more differentiated. Yeah, it sounds like you were able to, to either identify that everyone was struggling and so you could throw that, that module out there for everybody to review or you could identify that there were maybe two or three people that were engaged in a, in a deeper conversation around some concept that maybe you would, yeah. would want to target for those folks. So I could see how that might be useful in a classroom setting for everybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, you guys also talked about engaging people and building those connections in online spaces. And I just think back to the spring. So I have a preschooler, or I did. She'll be a kindergartner this year. What a wild trip that's Yeah, no be. kidding. <laughs> Welcome to your new introduction of school and it's online. <laughs> yeah. So I remember she attended a couple of like circle times with mm -hmm. her, with her friends and how they, uh, like these are kids she's known her whole life with a teacher that she had months of connection with. And after like the third week of circle times, she was like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to mm -hmm. do this anymore. You know, she wanted nothing to do with a Zoom class. So I'm kind of thinking about like, as we're working our way toward the beginning of this school year, you've got a whole new class of kids that don't know you from anybody. And uh, maybe they'll be around some of their friends, but I mean, maybe the screen stuff is a little bit, they're kind of over it, mm -hmm. you know? So when you approached your trainings, how did you, how did, what did you find worked for at least like trying to engage with someone and show them that you're like paying attention to them and that what they, their questions matter and all of that, building those connections in such a short period of time in such a strange environment for people? Well, one of the things we actually had to do, um, and we actually still do this um, on an ongoing basis, is we have to set up the expectations of the environment. And so we actually have a matrix for here's how what our expectations are for this environment. We actually walk through a couple of teach teaching moments of here's where you can do reactions. Here's how we're going to use the chat. Here's how... Um, Here's how we're gonna. Here's what a breakout session looks like, and how um, what that's gonna um, what that's gonna look like when we're asking you to get into breakout sessions, and how that's gonna work. So we've made um, 
made those things a little bit more concrete so people know what to, what to expect. So it's a little bit more predictable. We have the benefit of, of teaching adult learners, which is, you know, we can use the chat box for an opportunity for, to respond. We can have them type in the chat what their, um, what their responses were. We can have them, um, I think, better navigate those pieces. I think it would certainly be challenging in um, with younger children. Um, mm -hmm. I have a four-year-old and yes, I cannot imagine doing the same with him with the computer, he just wants to make funny faces at himself on the computer when we do some of his stuff on Zoom. Um, but I think building in those opportunities to respond and what are the technology pieces that you could utilize to have those opportunities to respond. And then you've got to teach them how to do that and give them lots of practice um, with that so that that way it becomes um, familiar to them and they're a little bit more fluent with it. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's big. I think using uh, as many different modes of engagement as you possibly mm -hmm. can, because pretty quickly one Zoom meeting bleeds into another Zoom meeting, mm -hmm. and they all look exactly the same. Talk and about so it. Whether you're, whether you're using the chat or whether you're using mm -hmm. a Kahoot or whether you're using uh, some sort of other way to engage the students, um, you've got to do it. You're using polls, you're using reactions, you're using thumbs up, you're using a go find something red and hold it up in front of the camera, however, to keep mm -hmm. them uh, engaged. And the younger students, I believe, need more of that differing, that differentiation of engagement than, than the older students do. Uh, but also keep, I, I would I would recommend keeping the group small. We, we had several yeah. trainings with over 20 people. And once you're looking at a screen and you've got 20 or 25 little boxes, um, it's very difficult to build relationships that way. But if you're in a smaller group of say four, five, six people, it's more personal. And it's just like teaching in a class. If you're, a, if you're teaching a small group of students at a reading intervention, you're going to build much more of, of a, a strong relationship with them than if you're trying to teach a reading intervention to 35 students. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it translates directly over to Zoom meetings and virtual, virtual settings as well. So keeping that small group uh, lets you have more of that one-on-one, -on -one, lets you have more of a natural discussion around the topic mm -hmm. versus then just looking at a screen of uh, of tiny boxes and hoping that half of the people are still engaged. Mm -hmm. Along the same lines of what Alan was describing in the, or, uh, in the beginning of his statement around um, having multiple kind of tools in your toolbox, I would be cautious about having too many tools that you're not feeling comfortable with because um, you know, if you're trying to throw too many different engagement strategies that you yourself aren't comfortable with, then it's going to actually end up probably being a worse disaster than if you didn't do any, right? And so, so I would say get one or two that are part of your toolbox and become really fluent with those and then maybe add another one. So that that way you're always adding to your toolbox to keep it mixed up, but not sort of throwing the kitchen sink at um, engagement because it could, it could really backfire and then it's a little bit more chaotic and then nobody's learning anything, so. Right, right. It took me probably four different Zoom meetings before I actually figured out how to mm -hmm. share my screen. So like the technology is, and I feel like I'm pretty good at yeah. figuring this yeah. stuff out, you know? So none of it is like intuitive because mm -hmm. this is all new for everybody. So I like that, you know, trying to 
get really good at one or two things and then adding in a couple of couple others as you as you start to feel more comfortable and confident um yeah so I guess I guess like based on all this stuff that you guys how many trainings did you conduct in a virtual space um between March and June we conducted um five yeah total in a in virtually which is actually um, more than we probably would have done if we were scheduling face to face. So we really did, you know, try it out and try to make it accessible to folks. Yeah. So, so what are, I know that you guys are going to continue providing these online, yep. uh, trainings for the foreseeable, for the foreseeable future. future. Yep. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm wondering what it is like the lessons that you've learned that you're really trying to take with you into the fall as you get, yeah. as you get yourself restarted. Um, what are you, what will you do the same? What will you improve upon? One of the biggest things I think that we've done is we've actually resequenced our training based mm-hmm. on, um, based on that sort of what can be done independently versus what can be, what needs to be facilitated conversation. So we've resequenced that, um, and, and adapted some of our extra activities, um, if needed. Um, so we're, massaging some of that along the way, um, which we're hoping to make it just a little bit more um, focused and strategic for folks so that that way their their time is best spent with those facilitated discussions where we need to have them versus it just being kind of uh, concrete information. It's it's also exhausting. Um, just, it's just as, or even more exhausting than in-person teaching and, um, being an elementary school teacher for a decade, it, it, it really, teacher exhausted is a completely different kind of exhausted. And so, um, but having this, uh, online all day, you're on, you're training, you're answering questions, you're juggling technology at the end of the day, you're beat, you're just exhausted. And so I think one of the, one of the big takeaways for me is um, making more smaller sessions. So instead of having these big giant six hour Zoom trainings, you know, let's do two separate two and a half hour trainings or three hour trainings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's much more doable than, than a long-term training like that. Because not only do you get exhausted as a presenter or a teacher, but the students get exhausted as mm-hmm. well. There's only so much that can go in. Uh, and then after two or three hours, they're just, they're fried, mm-hmm. you know, nothing mm-hmm. else is going in. So I think that's a big one too, is just keeping sessions small Keep, keeping keeping the number of people in the session small, keeping the time small, uh, and then do more sessions as opposed to larger sessions. I would say also similar to that is having more frequent breaks or or have them stand up. So while we go into the breakout room, stand up and talk to your, to your small group if you can. Um, so then that way we're not just sitting down or sitting, you know, um, in one in one spot and doing some more frequent breaks throughout so that that way we're um, not just um, on the screen and, you know, kind of hunched over. We're really trying to embed more movement, I guess, and be intentional about that. Don't you find yourself sitting way more than you ever sat? Um, I, I do. Accept, I have a stand-up desk, so that is oh, helpful, which is, which is nice because I can adjust during the day, but I recognize that not everybody has that. <laughs> I have a dining room table. We no right. longer eat at our dining right. room table. Some people house. don't even have, some people are like, I'm sitting on the couch with my computer yeah. on my lap, right? So it might yeah. not be 
Um, but trying to infuse more of that of like, when you go into your breakouts, stand up and let's get a little stretch while you're talking about this particular topic. Yeah. And I think that can help break things up a little bit too, so that they're not just in um, hunched over or. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you all is that utilizing those in-person moments, like taking mm. full advantage of them while you can mm-hmm. is really critical. Answering those questions and really going deeper into those core concepts and allowing them to practice possibly on their own was mm-hmm. one way that, one strategy that you found that was more helpful um, in these virtual spaces that you've actually had to break up your content differently. Like mm-hmm. you had your curriculum, you've had it set for however long. And now with this new format, you actually have to rearrange it, break it up into diff- and teach it in different orders mm-hmm. um, than you otherwise would have, but it actually makes everybody feel more efficient. Um, the other thing that I liked, what I think I heard you starting to say, Alan, was that you actually have to protect your own boundaries mm-hmm. around how much time you're spending um, in front of a screen talking to people um, that when you feel yourself getting exhausted, it's probably an indicator that things are going on a little too long and that maybe you could try something different Um, or that that's a really good time for a break. Um, And Mm -hmm. something that I saw somewhere was like, I know that my kids in school, I have two elementary schoolers now, um, they have breaks embedded into their day anyway. They do Mm -hmm. something like where they have to move their bodies around or they have to stand up and sit down and like just something to get them moving. And so trying to do something like that, um, encouraging people to move or to take a break or even to do an activity that doesn't require a screen where you can just write Mm -hmm. something down on a piece of paper can actually feel really nice um, in these virtual spaces. Yeah. Is there anything else that you guys really wanted to make sure that that you touch on? I think, I think that, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I think for me, one, one of the things that was always vital for me in, in the elementary classroom and something that I've, I've carried with me over to the training team is, is building those relationships. Mm-hmm. So that I think it, for me, that's what comes first with teaching. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you're not able to build those solid, stable relationships, then you're not going to be able to teach mm-hmm. any, any subject, whether it's the, the things that we're teaching or whether it's fourth grade fractions. If you don't have a good relationship with your students, they are not going to mm-hmm. learn from you, period. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles in, the, in a virtual setting is that, that there's, there's one more block in between you building of that solid relationship with the person that's on the other end of the line. So I think using some of those techniques that we talked about, using some of the smaller groups and um, uh, you know icebreakers, any sort of thing where you can humanize yourself to the person that's on the other end and start building that relationship as a student and a teacher uh, is going to help immensely moving forward and, and uh, moving forward into actual academic lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I mean, I don't think anybody watching this likely knows, but Alan runs a trivia with uh, on Zoom. That's right. For his friends. So he is, he, if there's someone that I, I think would, is like a model for trying to figure out how to teach and get people engaged in these sorts of environments, I think Alan has done a really good job of doing that. So 
any of you all have a chance well, to <laughs> join Alan's Facebook trivia. If, you, if anyone, well, if anyone has a chance <laughs> to take a webinar from him, I think mm -hmm. you'll find that it's really engaging and, yeah. um, and you could even watch it, not just for the content, but for the way that he's able to engage folks, I think is, is really nice. So, um, well, I guess this is it guys. I mean, I think that you all have done uh, a Herculean job of trying to just pivot, like you were saying, um, from these in-person sessions into totally virtual spaces. And I think all of these strategies that you've talked about today are gonna be really useful for a lot of folks. So um, I guess to be continued, yeah? Yeah. See how it goes this hear. year. Yeah, we can't wait to hear. And we also want feedback from folks too. You know, we wanna learn from you as well and what was working for you because we can always, you know, learn better tricks ourselves. So share, share with us. Absolutely. Make sure you guys check out the training team's upcoming trainings that they've got going on on our website, www.pbisapps.org. Jessica and Alan, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks. We'll talk to you guys. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Until next time.